Beyond Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Locked On Pistons. This is the episode for Monday, March 5th, and we'll be joined a little bit later by one of the best coaches in basketball history and a beloved part of Detroit Pistons lore in Larry Brown. Coach Larry LB is going to be joining us. I am your host, Matt Shook. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. I've been hosting this podcast all season for Detroit Pistons fans, a newspaper journalist of 12 years. I covered the NBA for the Associated Press here in Chicago as well on a freelance basis, and I've been around basketball my entire life as well. You should follow the Locked on Pistons Twitter account at Locked on Pistons and also the Facebook page at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. But there's some current news before we get to better times. When we talk to Larry Brown, we're going to recap the weekend debacle in Florida where the Pistons dropped two crucial games, update the job status of Stan Van Gundy, which the reports are flying everywhere. And we'll get into that more as time goes on as well here on Locked on on Pistons podcast. And like, like I said, we're going to be joined by Larry Brown in a little bit. He took the time on Thursday to spend about 20 minutes with us on the phone, and I uh, enjoyed talking to him, and he had some uh, some good insights about Pistons past and also about Pistons present as well, and what's up with him these days too. We know the Pistons are at their best when they are going to work every day, but you're at your best every day with great coffee from Detroit's Best Cafe. Ash Supply Company was voted by our Detroit Magazine readers as the area's best independent coffee shop in 2017. Ash Supply Company, a Detroit business that's growing in the heart of the city, is the coffee that is driving Detroit's renaissance. It's not just coffee with these guys, it's a lifestyle. My guys, Mike and AJ, built this company from the ground up. They're Wayne State grads, they're the Isaiah and Joe D of coffee, basically. I've known these guys for a long time, I've had their coffee, and I've given it as gifts to serious and satisfied coffee fans. They source their own beans ethically from around the world, and then they roast all their own coffee in-house, at their flagship cafe downtown. They have two locations in Detroit that you should visit, and their coffee is available at retailers all over the metro Detroit area. And lucky for me, they're also at Goddess and the Baker in downtown Chicago as well. But Locked on Pistons is giving you a great offer for coffee to come to you monthly so you can get Detroit's best brew every day at your home or business. Visit visit ashsupplycompany.com, that's A-S-H-E, supply, C-O, dot com, and use the promo code LOCKED at checkout for 20% off one of Ash Supply Company's subscription plans. Make your choice between subscriptions. The Roaster's Choice Single Origin, featuring offers from Latin America, East Africa, or the Pacific Islands. The Three Roast Sampler, three six-ounce samplers from different regions around the world, or the Drink Coffee Live Wild subscription, which features a Roaster's Choice 12-ounce bag along with a carefully curated coffee-inspired accessory, either a shirt, coffee-infused candle, or coffee-infused soap. These guys are supporting the podcast. They're Detroit guys, so you should support them. Again, go to ashsupplycompany.com, A-S-H-E supplyco.com, use promo code LOCKED at checkout, and receive 20% off one of Ash Supply Company's subscription plans. Ash Supply Company. Drink coffee. Live wild. 
like mine back in my senior year at high school and probably like yours for many of you too, your, the Pistons spring break trip to Florida did not go very well. Let's just put it that way over the weekend. The Pistons have a push for the playoffs going on, but so far that push has been pretty much non-existent lately and it's took its biggest hit of the season with back-to-back losses to the Orlando Magic in the Miami Heat. It was a gross loss on Friday night to the Magic, 115-106 to in overtime. The Pistons did well to survive to get into overtime against the Magic, who were coming in on a seven-game losing streak. But then the Pistons went ahead and did not score until the final minute, and it was already over at that point in the extra period. Reggie Bullock and James Ennis had 21 points apiece, but Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, the team stars, really struggled. And then the opposite happened on Saturday against the Heat, with Drummond and Griffin both playing very well, but nobody else did. 105-96 105-96 to was the final in that one for the Pistons, who played well in the third quarter to scratch their way back into the game. But that, uh, that third quarter's been their bugaboo all season, took care of that, but uh, couldn't get over the hump there in the fourth quarter. 31 points and six assists for Blake Griffin, who was uh, fantastic, his best outing as a Piston. Andre Drummond was very good, 22-18 and for the big man underneath. Outside of Blake Griffin's 3-for-6 from three-point land. The Pistons were 4 of 18 from 3. That's not going to get it done. The bench really struggled in a problem that has been uh, plaguing the Pistons lately. Stanley, Anthony Tolliver, Ish Smith, Reggie Bullock, those guys all had stinkers. Luke Kennard now out of the rotation. Can't do anything to help from the bench, obviously, there. The Pistons are now 5 games under 500. The low water mark of the season, as Rod Beard pointed out, on Twitter on Sunday, 29 and 34, four games behind the Heat for the eighth spot in the playoffs with just 19 games remaining on the schedule. Sure does seem like a long shot that Detroit would make the playoffs at this point. I think the 538.com projections had their playoff chances at about 7% today. So not looking good, obviously, with a lot of tough road games coming up, the West Coast swing as well. Who knows if Reggie Jackson will even return. Pistons fans are probably torn on that probably going to come down to whether he's going to be 100% or if playing him the rest of the season is going to be any kind of risk at all. The winning streak that the Pistons would need to go on needs to happen yesterday. So it's just one of those things where uh, the, the season is hanging in the balance, so pretty much pretty much done. But uh, like we said, there's 19 games left and crazier things have happened in sports. The Miami Heat are still not playing very well, despite the win on Saturday night uh, in terms of the last few weeks. So you know, completely possible that uh, things could still turn in the in the positive direction for the Pistons, and they could at least make it interesting down the stretch. But probably the far more likely scenario is that they continue to tail off or maybe play 500 ball the rest of the way and not really give that much of a threat in terms of getting right back into uh, any kind of playoff shot with Miami or Philadelphia or whoever going to be the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs when the season does finish. But the season actually does continue. The Pistons will play tonight, Monday night, 7 o'clock on NBA TV against some guy named LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pistons are seven-point underdogs in that one. And of course, with all the failures lately, the Sharks are circling in the water right now and in a topic that I have a feeling that we'll be talking quite a bit more about as the season winds down. Stan Van Gundy's job status has been the subject of much reporting lately. Mitch Lawrence of SportingNews.com, an NBA columnist in New York, seems like a freelancer from what I can tell on his Twitter bio and whatnot. It's... um, 
the third note of an NBA coaching rumors about uh, a column that he had with uh, with all these notes and news about NBA coaches with uh, some vagaries in there throughout. It, I, it feels like it's not really something that he has very solid and is going with it. If he had a big uh, scoop on that, I think that might be its own article or maybe placed up a little bit higher in the story. Although the Pistons, as Deadspin wrote on Sunday, are pretty irrelevant these days, and we know that as Detroit Pistons followers. But anyway, Mitch Lawrence went on to say that Stan Van Gundy is expected to lose his front office responsibilities and maybe let go of all the titles, including his coaching position, if the team does not make the playoffs. The story has uh, the phrases like is expected to, speculation is that, dot, 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 those kind of things. Doesn't even really go as far as to point to unnamed sources. I'm an old school newspaper guy. I've worked in papers for over a dozen years, but I've evolved enough over time to be okay with unnamed sources in many situations, but less so with sports and also mid-season job speculations. When you're pointing towards someone is thinking that or things like that, I just don't know what the point is sometimes in writing those kind of articles, but we don't know exactly what's going on with Mitch Lawrence, but there's not a huge body of work. I had never actually heard of Mitch before this. Uh, Maybe that was of my own fault maybe that maybe some of you deeper NBA fans have heard of him but with things like that are being thought of or maybe happening in the future I'm a little bit uncomfortable with those kind of articles being talked about but it's one thing if you have a well-established guy like Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN or something like that who's obviously the most well-sourced guy around but along those lines I'm not trying to protect Stan Van Gundy speaking of well-sourced guys Mark Stein of the New York Times had a report a month ago in January that this might be where this is headed in terms of Stan just becoming the coach of the team and Arn Tellum, who's kind of running the running the franchise, and less from a team perspective, but pretty much everything else, business side and whatnot for the Pistons, is Tom Gores' right-hand man right now. I do think that is probably where this thing is headed. Arn was brought in by Tom Gores, the owner, for the big jobs with the Pistons as the uh, new ownership took over for Mr. D's family. The first big job was moving the team downtown, and obviously that has happened. And the next big job was getting the practice facility funded, and that's on its way as well as uh, the ground has been broken for the Henry Ford Medical Center there. And now it seems like the team is the the next on the list of things that need to be rebuilt. And maybe that's Arn Tellum's next responsibility, the former super agent. But like James Edwards III of The Athletic wrote over the weekend, an interesting question is, would Stan Van Gundy be interested in having those responsibilities taken away and staying on as just a coach? However, I do think that there's a good chance he would. He's a prideful guy who has a chance to rehab his coaching career next season in Detroit, a place where he has some good pieces already in place. Doesn't have to uproot his life or take on another project that might not be available for another couple years. That that in of itself, the next project would take another few years to turn around. So I think Stan would probably be on board. But I think the real question is, does Arn, Arn Tellum, a former super agent with a Rolodex that rivals any NBA power broker from the last couple decades, does he have someone else in mind who he thinks might be a better fit for the team? And we don't know that. We can't get inside of Arn Tellum's head uh, right now, but I have a feeling that as time goes on, we will have the opportunity to learn exactly what Arn Tellum is thinking by his actions and by the actions of ownership with the Detroit Pistons going forward. So those are the big questions. 
but uh, maybe a possible candidate for the Pistons in the future. And I'm kidding there because at, at 77, it's very unlikely that uh, LB comes back to the bench. But Larry Brown is going to be joining us up next. I'm excited to share with you guys that interview that I had with Coach Brown. But if your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Pistons is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 and 44 in that demo, this is your spot. Plus our rates are reasonable. So email me at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to find out more. Yes, and we are now being joined by one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, also a heck of a player in his day, too. 2004 NBA championship coach with the Detroit Pistons, led them to the title. Hall of Famer Larry Brown, thanks for joining us here on Lockdown Pistons. I'm happy to be here. Now, Larry, you've uh, you lived a lot of places in your coaching and basketball career, playing-wise, too. Well, where are you spending most of your time these days? Well, I have, I have two kids at SMU. Um, I visit them a lot. Uh, I'm in New York a lot, but um, mostly I'm, I'm visiting a lot of colleges, you know, guys that have been a big part of my life that happen to be coaching now all invite me to kind of come in and critique them, but I'm the one that's always learning. Uh, and it keeps me involved. I, You know, I miss... I don't miss games so much. Uh, once a game, you know, starts, I love the competition, but I always a little nervous. I didn't prepare my team for some things we might see, so I had a little anxiety there. But um, I love being around coaches and players. So getting to see other college coaches work, um, and then even some pro teams, it, it keeps me involved. When you sit down to to watch a game these days, do you find yourself watching more college games or pro games, or is it kind of maybe the old Carolina uh, teams, or are you are there certain NBA teams that you try to catch as well? You know, I I'm, I have an invested interest in so many programs, and then in pro ball as well. So, you know, anytime a ball bounces, I'm interested in watching. Uh, so it really doesn't matter. I, you know, I, I try to watch and try to learn and, you know, be helpful if people need my advice. Uh, you know, I just, I just been so lucky that I played for the best coaches and coached some unbelievably great players and sat next to some really bright coaches. So kind of feel like I, I'd like to share what I was taught and help the game if I can. So, you know, I'm watching and learning all the time. And then when I go to visit other people that are coaching that I have a relationship with, if they need me, I, I give them my thoughts. I don't, I don't in any way try to interfere and tell them how to coach, but if they feel I can be helpful, um, I'm certainly there to try to do that. And some of those great players and coaches that you came across in your career were with the Detroit Pistons. Looking back and talking to maybe the coaches and players as much as you have after those uh, times in 2004 and 2005, what do you think is the legacy of that team uh, all these years later? Well, I, I think, you know, when you look at the history of the Pistons, there were some great teams. Uh, obviously, what Coach Daly did, 
you know, with Isaiah and his group was incredible. Uh, you know, I always felt that our team, if we'd have been able to stay together, could have won a, a bunch of championships. Uh, but I think wherever I go, so many people talk about the way that 2014 played, um, how unselfish they were, how they defended, how they, you know, cared about one another. And basically, I, I think I coined the phrase, play the right way. And I think if you talk about playing the right way, they, that team did that night in and night out. Um, and, I, you know, I'm I'm kind of taken back. A lot of people told me it's a team that won without any superstars. And I always laugh about that because I think the way people assume a superstar is is somebody that, you know, generally scores a lot of points. Um, And I think there's a lot of ways that you can impact your team, you know, other than just scoring the ball. And to say that Ben Wallace or Rashid or Chauncey, you know, any one of those guys wasn't a superstar, you know, just makes me shake my head and, make me feel like maybe the game's passed me by a little bit. Along those lines, are are you a little bit surprised the Hall of Fame came out with their finalists uh, a couple about a week ago and Ben and, and Chauncey weren't among the finalists for that group? Do you think there's still a little bit of a, like you mentioned, a little bit of lingering disrespect there? I don't know if it's disrespect. Um, you know, everywhere I go, when you talk about great players, they they mentioned those guys, you know, right up there with Rashid, right up there with Rip. Um, and then, you know, I look at Tayshon, his contribution is so understated. But um, they'll they'll have their turn. You know, not everybody gets in the first time. It's such an honor even to be, you know, nominated. But, you know, I, I just think when you look back on what that team did, the team that it was able to beat um, and what could have been, you know, had it stayed together a little longer. I I think people start to realize, you know, how special they were and hopefully, hopefully they'll get that, that honor bestowed on them. I, uh, you know, I couldn't get to Chauncey's retirement ceremony because we had a game, but, I got to Ben's and Rip's, um, and that was so special. Uh, and I'm ho- I'm hopeful, you know, that maybe Rashid and Tayshan will have the same opportunity as well. But I think people that know the game and understand, you know, there's a lot of ways you can contribute to help your teams be successful. They'll understand the impact those guys have had. Now, we've heard some of your Allen or Iverson stories over the years about coaching him. When when people ask about your time with the Pistons, is there any go-to stories that you have or maybe a, a Sheed story that, that kind of adds a little color to that group? Is, is there something that you kind of go to when people ask about that group? Yeah, but I don't know if I could say them on air. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one, one really great story. Um, when we were playing the Lakers, you know, it was a 2-3-2 two, two format, which really is a difficult format, to be honest with you. Um, 
And we won game one. Uh, and then game two, it, it came, came down to the last seconds. We were up three. And, uh, you know, we generally never fouled um, up three. I was always afraid of that. But, you know, five or six seconds, you know, if somebody needed three to tie up, we'd talk about it. Um, and I remember the Lakers called the timeout, and there was about six seconds to go, and I told the team, you know, I think we should foul. And they all looked at me and kind of grinned. Said, no, Coach, we never foul. We can stop them. I said, no, I... I said, you know, they usually run some great stuff, and Kobe is the kind of guy that maybe can make a big shot, so let's just take a shot at doing that. And then they looked at me, and they said no. And then I finally said, all right, what if Shaq catches the ball? And we never hack a Shaq, Shaq and we never double-team Shaq. So every time Shaq sees me, he wants to kiss me on the lips because he <laughs> probably averaged probably averaged 45 a game against us. But um, so, so they all looked at me and smiled and said, all right. And then when they huddled up, I'm sure after they left, they said, you know, screw him. We'll, we're not fouling. But they threw it to Shaq, and we couldn't get, get to him quick enough. He got rid of it, and Kobe hit an unbelievable shot over Rip. And we lost in overtime. It's 1-1. We're going back to Detroit for three games. And on the plane ride back, they're they're in the front of the plane and playing cards. And I went up front and I told those guys, "Hey, I apologize. We I should have been more adamant in saying we we had a foul." And they all looked at me and said, "Not so nicely. Get my whatever back in the back of the plane. We're not coming back to L.A." <laughs> So that was that was typical of that team. Um, and uh, you know, another thing, time I remember, we we held seven teams in a row under seventy points. Now you, that's unheard of. Teams get seventy and a half now. And I remember game eight, we were playing the Nets, and uh, late in the game. Uh, we had him under 70, and a kid named Ramos hit a jumper over Darko as the clock went down, and New Jersey jumped up like they won the NBA championship because they scored 71. Um, and I remember how upset all our guys were, you know, that that string was broken. But uh, I don't think anybody will ever do that again or get close to it. Speaking of the Pistons now, uh, they bring in Blake Griffin, Stan Van Gundy's at the helm of the front office and the coaching staff. Do you have, a, as a coach, do you kind of think about ways to that Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin could coexist? And what, what do you kind of think about the, the feeling of where this team is at now and where the franchise is kind of headed these days? Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Piston fan. Um, you know, when I, when I came to Detroit for those occasions, which – you know, they went out of the way to invite me there. Uh, I just got to know Mr. Gores a little bit, and I 
I saw the way the players responded to him and how much he cared about him and you know and how much he cared about the the Pistons being successful um which when you have ownership like that that's so committed it's it's really neat cuz you know I I worked under the one of the greatest owners ever you know Mr. Davidson and and he did everything he possibly could to give us a chance to win and then you know Joe and John were um John Hammonds were really bright guys and Scott Perry George David so many really bright people worked there um so I'm a big fan of the Pistons I'm you know I was a Dudley I was a Bradley fan and Tobias Harris fan and you know the big kid I I followed him at San Antonio so I kind of liked him I, I was a little bit you know surprised when they made the trade um but you know they've had so many injuries um and they've had a hard time getting all the right people on the floor at the same time. So it's it's kind of difficult right now for me watching them. Um, and when you get a player like Griffin, you know, late in the year, it's it's not always the easiest thing to figure out how to use them. Um, hopefully, last night is a start in the right direction um, because there's so many teams that can still make the playoffs in the East. And if you make the playoffs in the East, I don't think there's any one team that I think is so dominant like the teams we see in the West. So if the Pistons are lucky enough to get in and they figure out a way that Blake's comfortable, and we all know that the improvement of Drummond this year is just remarkable. Um, You know, there was talk about him being traded now you know, you can make a case for him being one of the best players in the league. And it shows you, you know, you can develop and get young, make young players better. So I'm hopeful that, you know, they'll they'll get this thing going in the right direction and figure out, you know, how to use Blake because obviously they gave up a lot. And uh, you're not going to get a talent, you know, like that unless you give up a lot. And hopefully it's, it's a good thing that works out well. Last question here for Coach Larry Brown, the Hall of Famer. You mentioned some of the Jersey retirement ceremonies, and I met you a couple of years ago down in the Virgin Islands. You were down there speaking at a coaching clinic put on by Milt Newton, your former player at Kansas, and he put it on for the locals. Milt is the assistant general manager for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was giving free clinics and does a ton to help out his homeland of the U.S. Virgin Islands and St. Thomas in particular. As you look back on some of the players that you coached and the relationships that you developed, does does those kind of things kind of take on more importance as you look back on that career? Um, Some of the years and the relationships that you've, uh, that you've made over all that time? Well, I think that's everything. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I've been given without, you know, playing for coach McGuire and Dean Smith and Mr. Iba and, John McClendon, Alex Hannum, Pete Newell, you know, so many people like that. And then the, the the guys that sat next to me, the coaches that have gone on and done really well, um, and the players that I've coached, that's that's everything. And when you see, you know, I, I have three managers in the NBA working. Um, and when I see, you know, people like that succeeding in a game that I love, 
and allowed me to live a pretty neat life. Uh, it's the best. And that's why, uh, you know, I'm a little bit uneasy now because I feel I have so much to share that I want to show other people and teach other people what I was taught. Because I think, you know, in some cases, fundamentals are slipping. And we're getting kids that are younger and younger coming into the league. And they may have ability, but they're not, they're not being coached. They come out so much sooner. You know, they don't spend three or four years in college being taught how to play, the value, the minutes they get, to understand the importance of being fundamentally sound. Um, so that's a little frustrating for me. But, you know, I do love the game. And, you know, what makes me most proud is the people that meant the most to me seem to be doing pretty darn well and making an unbelievable contribution. Absolutely. Coach Larry Brown, thanks for your time. And on behalf of all Pistons fans, thanks for uh, coming to Detroit and delivering the 2004 championship and all the great memories uh, that that entailed. Thank you very much. LB, Coach Larry Brown. Talk about an in-game coach, huh? Remember all the sideline out-of-bounds plays and after timeout, uh, things that he drew up for the Pistons that always seemed like they would definitely score after timeouts back then and not what we're seeing these days from the Detroit Pistons. So something to think about. Maybe Stan Van Gundy can kind of focus in a little bit more on the coaching for the next season kind of going forward as the Pistons look like to wrap up a disappointing season again coming up here as the season winds down. But be sure to check out Ash Supply Company in downtown Detroit at one of their two locations or visit their website ashsupplyco.com, again, A-S-H-E, supplyco.com, to order your monthly subscription of Detroit's Best Coffee. They are supporting this podcast, so it's our turn to support them. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, at checkout when ordering a subscription online, and you will get 20% off your purchase. Ash Supply Company, drink coffee, live wild. I got my first shipment in the mail already, so I'm going to be ready to go for the work week this week. But we will be talking more about this season of Detroit Pistons basketball going forward, and we'll come up with some ways throughout the next few weeks if things go even more off the rails to keep you guys engaged with maybe some of the histories talk or maybe some of the future talk and some offbeat guests. And if you have any ideas of people that we might want to talk to here on Lockdown Pistons, feel free to step forward and let me know. And also give us a follow on the Twitter handle for the Lockdown NBA Network at LockdownNBANet. And go ahead and give us a like on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook as well. But I hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, thanks again to Coach Larry Brown for taking the time on Thursday to talk to us. And I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk to you all again very soon.